like to welcome you this morning. We're glad that you guys are here. Um, glad that you've joined us. You've made it a priority to be here. Um, if you're watching online, uh, we're glad that you're here as well. Um, I, I don't know uh, for you if when you sang that song, uh, Great Things, uh, if maybe there was a little bit of conflict even in your heart this morning as we proclaim a, a God who comes and he, he conquers and every promise is yes and amen, and yet at the same time you have uh, these thoughts of what's going on in our world. Uh, you have these concerns about what you see unfolding if you watch the news or you read stories in Ukraine. And I know that for some of you, you've lived through a Cold War. Uh, some of you have lived through World War II and maybe even served in World War II or another conflict. But for, for many in our church, this is the first like big thing uh, that may threatened to blow up into something so much greater. And so we sing about great things that God has done. And at the same time, for many, there's an angst, uh, there's a tension, uh, there's a conflict inside, maybe even uh, some anxiety and some worry. And so how are we to respond in the midst of these situations? I mean, I think about uh, myself at 23 years old when 9-11 happened and being glued to the television and looking out and seeing my whole life in front of me, but at the same time wondering what was going to change. And I can't help but think of my own boys, 19 and 17. I can't help but think about some of our students in the room and wondering what's going to happen. And so what do we do in situations like these? Where do we go? Where do we turn? Again, some of you have lived through this before. It may not concern you. And I don't know where you find yourself today, if you're bothered, if you're broken, if you're overwhelmed. Uh, if you're confident, uh, if you're unconcerned, how can God meet us in the midst of this? How can we continue to praise him and proclaim the great things that he does even when we have these, these questions and these concerns uh, deep uh, inside? How can we respond when the uncertainty of war and all of its casualties uh, lurk around us? And while what is unfolding in Ukraine uh, is a first for, for many, again, in this room. Um, we also have faced difficulties before, difficulties that cause us to ask those unnerving questions about life, about death, uh, about our future. It might be terrorism, it might be legislation that seems to threaten values that you hold dear. It might be struggles that you have personally with your physical health, it might be questions that you ask about your mental health, about your sexuality, about your identity. You might be facing uncertainty about finances and employment. Each of these, like the prospects of a global conflict, forces us to look into the uncertainty and try to move forward. So how do we respond? And I am so thankful that God has given us a clear path and a clear way ahead um, I'm reminded this week of some powerful words in Philippians. Um, I do apologize in advance. Um, some technical difficulties with my slides getting here, and so I won't have any scripture on the screen. But in Philippians chapter four, Paul writes, and, and he writes about prayer. And before I even read his words, I think it's important that you're reminded that as Paul writes these words, Paul himself is in prison. Paul himself is under guard. Paul himself is facing difficulties and circumstances that are unwanted. 
Paul's writing to a people in Philippi who themselves face difficulty and the prospects of persecution. And here's Paul's writing to them in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul himself imprisoned. People facing difficulty, and he says to them, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, submit your requests to God. He says, in every situation. I don't know about you, but that phrase is pretty clear, right? In every situation, and, and we're prone to ask questions, but, but what about this? But, but what about when the circumstances in my country cause me to seek refuge in a subway while air raid sirens sound and missiles bombard? What then? Yes, in every situation. What about when some ruler in the world seems to go off the rails and invade a sovereign country. Yeah, in every situation. What about those difficulties that you and I face? What about when a child rebels or, or a child uh, is, is moving further from you and you feel like he's, he or she's moving further from your heart as a parent in every situation? What about when you feel like your relationship with your parents is breaking down and, and they've neglected you or forgotten you or abandoned you? Yeah, in every situation. What about when that relationship seems to be on the brink? Yes, in every situation. What about when you face financial hardships and difficulties? Yes, in every situation. In every situation, no matter what it is that we face, any anxiety-inducing time in our lives, we turn to him and he says, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we can submit those requests to God. Prayer and petition, this idea that God would allow us to come to him with everything that's on our hearts, everything that's on our minds, and he hears us, he gladly receives those words. You know, one of the things I'm amazed at as I look at humanitarian crises in my own life is how you find believers and disciples in those places and how they're so eager to even give thanks to God even when all else around them seems to be falling in. I'm pretty certain that you'll find stories even today of Ukrainian believers gathered and huddled and worshiping their God. I know stories of men and women who are still giving thanks in the midst of these circumstances. I talked to a refugee several years ago who talked about how even when she was pressed and had to leave her country, how she continued to give thanks to God. And it's this beautiful thing that even as we're pressed, even as circumstances threaten, we can ask of him freely with thanksgiving and he hears. And look at the sum result of seeking God in every situation, verse seven. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There is a peace. And Paul doesn't use that word lightly. If you know some of the history of peace in scripture, particularly among the Hebrew people, this concept, this idea of shalom, that's this idea of wholeness and complete wellness. And so when Paul writes about the peace of God that passes all understanding, he's like, there's, there's a wholeness. 
There is a wellness that we can experience as people in every situation. And it surpasses and it blows our minds. It goes beyond any understanding. And there are many men and women, young and old in this room, who've experienced that. Maybe it was a tragedy, maybe it was grief, maybe it was some other sort of loss, and you sought God in prayer, and there was just this peace you could not explain. You faced a challenge, and you were just overwhelmed as you put it in the lap of God, that he, that he calmed you. It says it transcends all understanding, and it guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And that, I think, is the ultimate secret to the peace guards our hearts and minds in Christ. Paul loves that phrase, in Christ. It speaks to people who have faith in who God is and what he's done in Jesus. A God who came in human flesh and lived and died and rose again and conquered the grave and gave the promise that the hurts and the habits and the hardships and the difficulties of this world will not prevail for eternity because he conquered sin and he conquered the grave. And so when we're in Christ Jesus, we know that though hardship may come and wars may occur and rumors of wars may unfold, that, that there's a God who has prevailed for eternity. And so we can have a peace as we take our request to him in every situation. So here's what we're gonna do this morning. Um, Consider this part one of the message. We're going to strive to be a people who in every situation is praying to God. And so whatever you're dealing with right now, whether it's concerns about our world or maybe it's something a little closer to home, maybe it's something that's happened in your life this week or a loved one who's suffering, we're just gonna spend some time seeking God and, and even praying to him. We're gonna wrap up this series on the heart of God by simply looking at God's heart for prayer. And so in a couple of moments, I'm gonna pray. And then following that, we're going to sing. Uh, we're gonna sing songs about our response to God, about the greatness of who he is. And it's okay if you feel conflict in those moments, but I encourage you in faith to keep singing. It's our prayers to him. And then following communion, uh, I'll come back out and we're gonna explore just a few passages of scripture that might uh, form kind of a, a baseline for some prayers we can have for our own selves and for the people of Ukraine and even the people of Russia in the coming days. Let's pray. God, I thank you. God, even as we look at a world that in moments feels like it's on the brink of chaos, draw our eyes to you, that you are a God who does great things. You're still doing great things. And God, you're okay with our questions our concerns, and God, you long to hear from us. God, you heard the cries of the people in Egypt, and you've heard the simple prayers of the widow, and you hear our prayers, and God, may we in every situation, including this one and the others we face, seek you. God, as we sing in the coming moments, help us just to surrender everything to you because of the greatness of who you are. In your name we pray. There are um, our focus this morning is prayer. God's heart uh, for prayer. Um, if you look at Scripture, 
there are patterns and themes that show up from beginning uh, to end. Uh, There are a number of them, uh, God's holiness, uh, God's faithfulness, the need for people to repent and obey, uh, God's desire that we would uh, emulate his character, that we would love as he has loved and we would live as he wants us to live. And the list goes on and on. And one of those themes, one of those patterns we see in scripture is the importance of God's people seeking him in prayer. Uh, We have Moses who's able to speak to God as a man speaks to a friend. I mentioned earlier how the Israelites were able to cry out to God and he answers. We see Moses at the Red Sea calling out to God and he parts the sea. And we see that story unfold throughout the Israelites in the wilderness. We, we see the prophets communicating with God, praying and, and God responding. We see the prayer practices of Jesus himself and the prayers of Jesus. Uh, we see the disciples hungry and, and eager to know, God, how, how, how should we pray? And so Jesus teaches them how to pray. And then we look to the early church and we see their practice and their discipline of regularly just seeking the Lord in fervent, faithful prayer. I continue to believe, even though it seems contrary sometimes to our instincts, that the most important thing we can do in any and every situation is to pray, to speak to God, to turn to him, to trust him, to share our concerns, to plead for him to act. And And so whether it's what's happening in Ukraine that maybe stirs some angst or worry or anxiety in you, uh, or maybe it's something else, uh, I hope to take you on just this brief tour of uh, three particular passages of Scripture. Uh, we'll, We'll explore them together for a few moments, and then we'll leave some time of silence, uh, probably three minutes or so, uh, for you to pray those prayers, and I'll give you some instructions as we go. Because we're looking at exploring God's heart and and learning initially lessons from the life of David, uh, I just want to start with two of his psalms this morning. Uh, Psalms that can be used by you uh, to pray, uh, to turn your cares over to him. The the first psalm is probably the most famous of the psalms in scripture. Uh, It's Psalm 23. Uh, Some of you know it by heart. Uh, You've read it, you've memorized it, you've shared it with others. It's a psalm that brings a lot of comfort. Uh, I think that Psalm 23 can be a great foundation for our prayers when we face uncertainty. A great foundation for our prayers when we face difficulty. I want to read the whole psalm and I'll give you uh, some reasons why in a moment. Again, I apologize, it's my fault that My technology didn't work to get the slides here, and so if you need to find it in your Bible or in your Bible app on your phone, I shared with you a few weeks ago, you can go to BibleGateway.com in your web browser on your your smart device and and look up the passage there, Um, but it'll be important to have those words in front of you if at all possible. So Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows." Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. One of the reasons I think this psalm is so fitting, I mean, really all the psalms can be fitting. They're David's poetic expressions of prayer and song. Uh, is that David's a shepherd. You likely know that from the stories that we've shared so far. Uh, he was called from shepherding the sheep to come even to the battle lines to bring his brother's food before he ever fought Goliath. Uh, David understands shepherding. Uh, David understands that the character, the competency, the skill of the shepherd makes all the difference in how the sheep are cared for. David knows what it takes to be a good shepherd. He knows what a bad shepherd looks like. And so David in this moment, as he's reflecting upon God, as he's praying to God, as he's speaking to God, he puts himself in the position of a sheep. And he looks to God as the great shepherd. And he proclaims of him, the opening line is so important, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Maybe your version says, I have everything I need. David knows that a great shepherd provides for his sheep. He makes sure they have everything that they need. Uh, notice that it doesn't say everything that they want because a great shepherd knows that sometimes what the sheep want is not what the sheep need. Uh, there's a reason why Jesus, when he tells the parable of a shepherd who leaves the 99 to go find the one, guess what that one wanted? Something that he probably didn't need and so Jesus had to go track the one down. But the shepherd gives the sheep and provides for the sheep everything that they need. And really that sets up the rest of the psalm. What is it that the sheep need? Verse two, they, they need rest. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. David, having shepherded sheep, knows that you can't just keep driving sheep. At some point, they need to rest. And David looks to God and he says, you know exactly when I need to rest and when I need to be refreshed. He says that the good shepherd, he guides. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. The, the, the shepherd knows that in part his reputation is on the line for how the sheep survive. If, if, if the shepherd were to move the sheep into a, a new area and there were other shepherds around and that shepherd's sheep were all uh, withered and the bones were sticking out, they would look at him like, that guy, that guy doesn't know what he's doing. But he guides them in right paths for his namesake. And David says, that's what you do for me. Because of your character, because of who you are, you direct me and you guide me. And he also knows that a great shepherd comforts and protects. Probably our favorite words from the psalm. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, or how I memorized it as a kid, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. D David looks to God and he says, just, just as I would guide the sheep and I was prepared to help them and the sheep had no concerns about the predators that lurked in the shadows because I was there. My rod was ready. My staff was ready. David says, God, that's how you are. Now, why is it these words can be such a powerful prayer for us? Because we, like David, are sheep. We're God's sheep. Jesus himself calls himself the good shepherd. Well, we recognize when we face difficulties. Again, difficulties like what's happening in Ukraine or other difficulties you're experiencing in your life. 
the reality is, is that we all know that life is difficult. There are many hardships. They, they, they vary in their intensity and their difficulty. Do we realize and do we understand, do we proclaim to him, God, you have everything I need. I lack nothing in you. And what would it do in our prayers to just humbly come before God and say, God, would you just remind me that even as I'm tempted to be overwhelmed by anxiety, even when worry and angst begins closing in, that, that God, you, you have everything I need. And when our hearts are racing and when we're bone tired, what would happen if we prayed, God, would you, would you lead me beside the quiet waters? You know where those are. You know what that rest looks like for me. Would you restore my soul? And what if when we look out at difficulties, whether it's uncertainty in our own country or uncertainty in the world or uncertainty in our life, what if we just boldly prayed, God, even when I walk through the darkest valley, help me, teach me not to fear any evil. Remind me that you are with me. If you have ever prayed scripture you have tasted the power of what it means to pray these words that God's people have prayed for years back to him. You're, 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 you're praying truth back to God. Not that God needs to be reminded of what he said, but there's power and the spirit works in that. And so what I would encourage you to do in the coming moments, I'll just give it a period of silence here that you would look into your Bibles and you would see the words of Psalm 23 and whether you whisper them, whether you mouth them, whether you think them, whether you write them, whether you type them into your phone, that you would just pray a simple prayer using the words of Psalm 23, both for the circumstances of your own uncertainty that you face, but I also ask that you would pray these things for the people of Ukraine and even the people of Russia. One of the things that has been impressed upon me over the last few days is that we have to remember that there are times I think it's easy to look and we see someone like uh, the president of Russia and we think that every Russian is just like him. And yet for those of you that know Russian people, they're not. In fact, I can tell you that many of the Russians that I know and most of what I read and hear, they don't have the values of their leader. Um, we have to be very careful not to assume that the people in the country are reflected by the character of their leader. And so we need to pray for the Russians. You've seen the stories of them being arrested because they're standing up for what they believe. And, and there are believers, there are, there are disciples of Jesus who are just as concerned in Russia as they are in Ukraine, just concerned um, in Russia as they are here in the United States. And so it would be people who pray. And, and what I do sometimes, just to give you an idea, if it helps, as I pray scriptures, I just read through it and I just pick out one part of it. And so for me today, what I'll be praying silently right here is I'll be praying for believers here and in Ukraine and Russia that even as they walk through a dark valley, that they'll fear no evil. And that'll be my prayer. And so I encourage you to pick out part of Psalm 23 and over the coming moments, uh, pray it in whatever way is most comfortable for you.
God, as you hear our prayers, we thank you. Lord, I ask that you would use um, this season in our lives to awaken us and to draw us to be people who are prayer dependent. That prayer is our first response in every situation. That you would grow a praying people in Lebanon, Indiana, that pray not only for our city and our families, but pray for our world. God, would you unite your church here and around the world in prayer? Lord, you show that prayer changes things. Uh, Great movements of you in history are prompted by people dedicated to prayer. So we come to you confidently at your invitation. Lord, we pray. We pray for people who are waiting in long lines at border crossings. We pray for people sheltering in apartments and structures underground in Ukraine. We pray that as they face this dark valley that they would fear no evil. We pray that you would comfort and protect and embolden your people to proclaim your hope even in the midst of the darkness. God, we pray for men and women in Russia who are struggling with what's unfolding and are concerned for their own future. And we ask that they would find everything that they need in you. God, may you hear our cries and may you draw us to you in the midst of these prayers and your words. In your name we pray, amen. Again, looking to David again, I wanna turn the page to Psalm 27. We won't read the whole psalm, um, but I want to read the first three verses and then the final two verses and see if these can't be fuel and words to pray. Psalm 27, uh, David again writes these words. Keep in mind, David is a man who we've already seen in our series on the heart of God, was on the run. Uh, Saul's military had pursued him had unjustly come after him. And here is one of his prayers. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Can you see the value of praying that prayer alongside David? Uh, Whether it's something you yourself face, whether it's a true um, literal war, or maybe it's something that's more metaphorical, a battle you're facing in your life. Then David turns to the famous words of choosing and wanting to dwell in the house of the Lord. And he, he ends in verse 13 by speaking about his confidence. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Where are the places in your life? Again, where's the uncertainty? Where's the anxiety threatening to creep in? Where's the worry? Where are the concerns? And what would it look like to pray these words in those situations? 
Where is it that you need to be reminded that your, your heart doesn't need to fear? Where is it that even when you feel the war breaking out against you, that you need to be confident? And I'd encourage you to pray the final two verses to the Lord, that you'll see the goodness of the Lord. Pray for him to make you strong and that you would take heart and pray those same things for the people that are facing war all around the world. Perhaps this becomes, and you bookmark it, maybe a wartime prayer when you see conflict detailed in the news. But let's spend a few moments praying some of these words from Psalm 27 for the difficulties in your life and the difficulties unfolding in our world. Let's pray. God, you know where our hearts wrestle with fear or where we're tempted to surrender to fear and to be overwhelmed. God, you know the greatest burdens in our hearts in this moment. And so, Father, as we have prayed to you, would you strengthen us that we would not fear that the enemy the adversary, the devil God, he, he longs to distract us and to use fear uh, to keep us from living boldly and courageously for you. And so, Father, may we take heart, may we wait for you, and we, may we find strength, and may we be not overwhelmed by fear. And we pray the same thing for disciples of yours all across the world. And again, I, I pray for the disciples, particularly in Ukraine, Father, and in Russia, that, that they would have a boldness and they would have a courage to share you with others, Father. Uh, we ultimately know that wars occur um, because of the selfishness and the sinfulness of human beings. And the only true anecdote is a life pursuing you. And so, God, we pray that they would be bold and courageous, that hearts would be transformed, and that they would stay faithful in the midst of the struggle. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. And the final passage I want to move to, 
I wanted to start with David because our lessons are from the heart of God, lessons from the life of David. Uh, But I want to move to the New Testament, to the church in Acts, because as you read the story of the early church, you find time and time again God's people praying. Like when they face difficulty, keep in mind that some of what unfolds in the pages of Acts are uh, evil tyrants like Nero, and yet the church prays. There's one specific prayer I want us to pray this morning. It's found in Acts chapter 4. The story that leads up to it is that famous story of Peter and John who healed a man. Uh, The man goes and declares that he was healed, and uh, Peter and John are arrested, and they're brought before the ruling council, and they declare that it's Jesus. It's Jesus who healed the man, and the Sanhedrin says, listen, we cannot speak about this Jesus anymore. And so they demand uh, for Peter and John to stop speaking about Jesus. And Peter and John have their famous rebuke. We can't help but speak about what we have seen and what we've heard. Like we're we're not going to stop uh, sharing about Jesus. And so they come back uh, in verse 23 of chapter four and they report that to the other uh, disciples. And their first response is to pray. Verse 24, when they heard this, They raise their voices together in prayer to God. When they face trial, when they know that the the persecution will be ramping up, when they know that the trial is coming, their first response is to pray. I'm often convicted by that because I know that personally I struggle and that when difficulties come, um, I often move to the route of wondering all the what ifs before I go to the God who knows all those what ifs. But the part of the The passage I want to focus on is their specific requests that show up in verse 29 and 30, and then the outcome. In Acts chapter 4, in their prayer, here's what they pray. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And look at the result. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And God, and and spoke the word of God boldly. So as the people face difficulty, they turn to God in prayer. And their prayer is, would you help us speak boldly? Would you work miracles and signs to help people see you in the name of Jesus? And what happens is that God moves in a mighty way. And so for our final time of prayer, I just encourage you to pray those words of verse 29 and 30, that you would ask God to help you speak boldly. You've probably seen um, this week the, the words of Matthew 24, verse six different places. I've seen them show up several different people's posts. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 24 is speaking about the end times. And he says in verse six that there will be wars and there will be rumors of wars. But when you finish that sentence, he reminds them, do not be alarmed. This is not the end. When we look at what's happening in our world, we are living and have been living since Jesus in what's called the end times. Things are moving towards Jesus' triumphal return. We can choose to get lost in trying to predict when the exact return of Jesus will be, but I would tell you it's a futile effort Jesus himself says that even he doesn't know the day or the hour. What we should concern ourselves with 
is how do we pursue him in his best? And how do we, because he's returning again, because uh, uh, of the realities of heaven and the, the awful realities of life without God and hell, how, how do we use that to fuel us to be bold and tell others about who he is and the life that we have? How do we make sure in a world that offers us Wordle and TV and Netflix and recreation that we don't get kind of lulled to sleep by those things, but remain fervent and bold. Not that any of those things in and of themselves is wrong, but they have a way of just kind of numbing us. And we forget that this is a real struggle. This is a real battle. This is a real life that we're called to live and to pursue. And so maybe we need to pray that God would help us to be bold in our faith and to be courageous. Maybe we need to pray that, that he would perform signs and wonders through the power of the name of his son and we would see God move. So for the coming moments, pray um, again for those situations in your life and the ones around the world. Father, even as we pray for our own situations and those around the world, um, I want to specifically ask that you would embolden your church uh, right here in Boone County. That, Father, we would be people who respond with the same fervency and more that we've seen in the people of Ukraine to take up the arms of prayer, to seek you for the situations in our life and the things in the world, to, to be on our knees fighting this struggle, knowing that our, our struggle ultimately is not against the rulers and the principalities of darkness and unseen places, but Father, uh, it's, it's not against flesh and blood, it's against those rulers and principalities of darkness and unseen places. God, help us. Help us pursue you. Help us to fight for what's right on our knees in prayer. God, give us a boldness to share the hope we have with others. Ignite in us a desire to bring your kingdom into this world as we faithfully follow you and pursue you. And it's in your name we pray, in your name we trust. Amen. I, I know this is a little different than what we normally do, but I, I hope that um, 
in some way, I guess my goal is that maybe there's a peace that comes to you today, that some of that peace that passes understanding begins to wash over you, that maybe there's just some practical equipping that takes place and knowing that you can pray uh, at least these three passages of Scripture. But I encourage you to pray others that, that you would find strength in whatever adversity comes because you know there's going to be more. We don't know what will come of this. We don't know what will come in the coming days or weeks or months, but adversity will come. And how do we seek him and, and, and fall on our knees to him, praying for not only our situations, but his will to be done and for people all around the world? As I was thinking about this, some words of an old hymn came to mind that maybe will bring hope to some of you who know it. It's the words that I know who holds tomorrow. Verse one says, I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine, for its skies may turn to gray. I don't worry over the future, for I know what Jesus said. And today I'll walk beside him, for he knows what is ahead. And in verse three, I don't know about tomorrow, it may bring me poverty, but the one who feeds the sparrow is the one who stands by me. And the path that be my portion may be through the flame or flood, but his presence goes before me and I'm covered with his blood. And the beautiful refrain of that song was, many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand but I know who holds tomorrow and I know who holds my hand. Uh, so in the coming days and weeks, may we be people who seek him in prayer, knowing that's where our help comes from. And may he meet us in the midst of our fear and overwhelm that with his goodness and show us the way ahead. A couple practical challenges for you as we prepare to be done. Uh, one is, I just wanted a challenge. I just felt compelled to challenge disciples of Jesus in this place, or if you're watching online, there have been calls around the world to fast and to pray with uh, the Ukrainian believers. And so here's my challenge to you, and I, some of you probably will think it's a little too bold, but my challenge to you is would you consider fasting from noon today until noon tomorrow? Um, fasting from food, and as your stomach as your mind prompts you to cravings to, to eat, would you turn those cravings and, and go straight to the Lord in prayer on behalf of the people of Ukraine? Uh, here's some ideas of things you can pray. Pray for the strengthening of faith for Ukrainian disciples. Pray for those who don't yet have faith in Jesus to experience it through the intentional witness of disciples of Jesus. Pray for the people who are serving in the Ukrainian armed forces. Pray for the influence of disciples of Jesus in Russia and the strengthening of their faith. Pray for the people of Russia who don't hold the beliefs and values of their leaders and are being threatened. Pray for the Lord to reveal Satan's work in these schemes and for those to cooperate with him to be brought to repentance. Would you choose to fast from noon today until noon tomorrow, seeking the Lord as your body prompts you for food? And I give you this caveat. If it is dangerous or unhealthy for you to fast, would you just choose something else you know that you'll have cravings for? Uh, maybe it's social media. Maybe it's uh, browsing the internet. Maybe it's television. Maybe it's whatever. Uh, would you choose to go without that intentionally as your body says, hey, I want to look at this or I want to do that. Instead, turn that to praying for the people uh, of, of Ukraine and, and Russia. And here's the second challenge I have. Um, and that's for those of you that are here or online who don't yet have the peace that we've been talking about. Uh, maybe this is the time that you respond and you seek the God that made you, that can provide you a way through the darkest valley. And if that's you, uh, several ways you can connect and explore that decision. 
Uh, you can come up and start a conversation here at the end of our worship experience. Uh, you can fill out a physical card at one of our communion stations. You can scan the QR codes in our main lobbies and throughout our building to, to fill out the connect form. You can email us, connect at LebanonChristian.org, and, and we'll respond to you. But perhaps the challenge for you is just to find that peace, and that peace is found only in the one who made you, the only one who can make you whole. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, I pray that you'll continue to take the lessons we've discovered today and seal them in our hearts, that we'll be a people who are prayer dependent and seek you. And that God will seek you and see your kingdom come and your will be done. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Will you please stand with us?